The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. You know what? We are pretty much a full month into the season now. No, it only started on the 13th. It, maybe it's just the number of games that have been played that makes it feel like more. But yeah, I, I am see. so happy that we've actually had so much hockey with really only one or two teams having their seasons disrupted. Well, uh, yeah, Dallas started out on on the on the list and they've played uh, about four games, but everybody else is somewhere around seven or eight, nine, somewhere in that window. Uh, Carolina's missed a little bit of time. There, there have been issues here and there. But everybody is – it seems like everybody is playing. Uh, I think the latest franchise to be um, benched, so to speak, is, is the, the Golden Knights. But, yeah, it, it's been it's been enjoyable. And, and, and I turn on the TV most nights. There's a game somewhere along the way. Uh, yes, and there was, uh, there was that minor incident with the – well <sighs> – with the there was the suspension issue with the Washington Capitals where four players were uh, slapped on the wrist for having a private meeting in their room in a room without uh, everyone wearing masks. They were all of a certain. They were all of a certain nationality. It was the Russian embassy. Yes. There we go. <laughs> I was trying to be nice, but yeah, it was because it was Ovi Orlov, uh, Orlov. Samsonov. Samsona of the goaltender, and there is a – I forget who the other one is, but uh, it was another It was another Russian. Yeah. It, it, I think they were under some sort of uh, constitutional obligation uh, to meet at least once a week. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, basically, the hockey has gotten – has improved – over the last couple, three weeks. Um, oh, absolutely. That first week was uh, ungood. There still are some high-scoring games, though. I mean, not as many as there were at the beginning. Clearly, the offense was ahead of the defense. In, in, and, and ahead of the goaltending, yeah. <laughs> and ahead of most of the goaltending. There were a few. There were a couple that started out hot. But yeah, clear, most of the goaltending looked like it still needed, and and you got to understand it a little bit. There was no preseason. There's no way to get your timing down. There's no way to get your spacing, and and, and you're learning on the season as opposed to prior to the season. So I yes. can see it a little bit. Clearly, offense is is easier to come by. Uh, defense pairings need to work out. You know. A little bit of trust, a little bit of chemistry, especially on teams like the Bruins, where there has been such a turn up, uh, such a turnover in the defense core. And it's with the weird guys. And the weird thing with the Boston Bruins is because of how long it's been since Kevin Miller played, there are guys who have played two seasons for the Boston Bruins who, until the last week or so, hadn't actually taken a shift with Kevin Miller, who's been here for like seven or eight years. Yeah, uh, 
I, makes you wonder if he's around the. I mean, has he been around the locker room? I mean, did any of these guys recognize him? Did security have to stop him at the door? Uh, like the Baker Mayfield commercial, and the security guy goes, "Sorry, Parker." You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, I'm Kevin Miller. Sorry, Keith. You know, <laughs> did they did they have to stop him and search him? Uh, we need to see some ID. Oh, you're Kevin Miller. Okay. I mean, seriously, but he has been one of the bright spots on the defense. Uh, Kevin Miller not only looks like he hasn't missed any NHL time, he may actually be better than he was when he went out on injury. And And the two of us had talked at the time about the leap that he had made between his last healthy year and the year before, mm-hmm. because while his physical strength had always been there, he'd been about middling for speed, just maybe on the shady side of league average. He's probably very slightly above the 50th uh, uh, percentile at this point, which for a guy who's had both kneecaps replaced is Definitely on the shady side of 30 at this point, and not a small man, is really impressive. You're not looking at him to be the fastest guy on the team, clearly. No, and uh, even no one before, that. Even before the – I mean, he's 6'2", 210. He is 33 years old now. Uh, this season, he's got one whole assist in eight games. Uh, not He's never been an offensive defenseman. That's not his role. And – well, I am. I'm honestly happy with any offensive contributions the man is able to make. He only uh, averages one shot a night. To be honest, he's got nine shots in eight games this season. I honestly think that for most of the season this far, he's made the best outlet passes on the team. If it's not if it's not him, it's Grizzlick, and I'm not really willing to listen to anyone. To any other names. There really aren't any other names. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that Lozon is playing some of the best young hockey, young defensemen play we've seen in a while. Um, I've been a fan of Grizzly forever um, and hope that he is healthy and stays healthy once he returns. I thought um, he was back. Uh, he did not play last night. Okay. Um, Connor Clifton has made it back into the lineup, um, which I regret the necessity of, but enjoy the hell out of Cliffy hockey. Oh, um, he's, he's fun to watch. He's, he hasn't put up any points yet, but he's fun to watch. Um, even, even Zaboral has looked like a real NHL hockey player. And that's the thing that has surprised me the most. I know that NHL <laughs> and that defensemen take the longest to Do you mature, want to maybe goaltenders. Um, but it didn't look like he was going to look like look. It didn't look like he was going to arrive at the NHL. Do you want to not like him? <laughs> I I've given well, up on the expectation that I should like him. He's played in all eight games this season. He's got also one assist. 
he is a plus one. His assist Ooh. came on a power play, believe it or not. And he is also averaging about one shot per game. He's got seven shots on net. I, I don't know what to expect of him because having only played in 10 games in his career, I, is he an offensive defenseman? Is he a defensive defenseman? Is he like a two-way? I his don't know what his... really don't support offensive defensemen. Like if you look at his career going back to junior... Um, although I'm told that, uh, McAvoy is an offensive defenseman too. And <laughs> maybe my understanding of offensive defenseman is just someone who looks is wrong Red, and Red it's Burns. only, yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe it's appar- uh, apparently it's someone who looks pretty carrying the puck. Uh, I, because I don't see it otherwise in those two. But let's dive into the show because we actually have a couple of fun and fun things and milestones to talk about uh, right now. <clears throat> well, then where are we going? Uh, you brought it up uh, in the pre-show. Um, something, and it is a milestone uh, for. Uh, for the sport, uh, why don't we talk about what's going to be on NBC uh, in the oh, next yeah. week or so? Being been seeing the adverts on the tel- on the telly, and and I know that we've talked about it in the past, uh, but the National Women's Hockey League or Women's National Hockey League, and I I apologize because I'm not sure which is the appropriate way to say it, but I genuinely think it beli- it depends whether you're saying it in English or French. Oh, okay. The the NWHL is going to be on national TV on February 4th and 5th, NBCSN, the network where they show regular NHL games. They're going to be covering the Isobel Cup, the semifinals and the finals. That's We've talked about cute. it in the past, the NHL needs to find, and I don't know if they had anything to do with this. I mean, I'm going to throw a little credit their way just because they're on the network, but we talked about how they need to support the women's hockey league the same way that the NBA supports the women's NBA. And this is a good first step, getting them on a national broadcast. We've seen women's hockey games. We've been to the, we've been to, at least one, if not a couple of USA women's hockey games. And outside of the questionable uh, issue with line changes. (laughs) I see Chris is a much nicer person than I am in the exhibit. Admittedly, it was an exhibition between us and Canada that we saw the line changes were laughable. (laughs) When you're Lovable. allowed to change, when you're allowed to jump on the ice and the player is still in their own zone, um, literally thirty plus feet, uh, thirty or forty feet away from the bench. Yeah. That said, the quality of hockey was absolutely uh, Canadian goaltender, and I apologize, I don't remember her name at the moment, but phenomenal. Uh, have seen them on TV. Uh, 
for Olympics because that seems to be the only time the women's hockey gets coverage is during the Olympics. This is this is really really big. I I know I will be tuning in just because I enjoy watching hockey. And yeah, it doesn't matter men, women, college. I enjoy watching good hockey and semifinals, finals of the women's hockey league. Absolutely. I'll be there. Even if you're not a huge fan of women's hockey, uh, if you're listening to this show, you're probably a bigger fan of hockey than most people. Tune in, watch the Isabella Cup. If you're on social media, mention it once or twice. It's good for the game, not just women's hockey, but it's good for men's hockey, too. Um, I think that the two sport, uh, the two leagues growth is directly entwined with each other. Yeah, I, I have no issues with that statement at all. I, I did see one highlight and, and I think that that's another step at some point is that they need to be getting more highlights on, um, I, the highlight I saw was on e, uh, on the four letter network ESPN. Um, they need to be getting a little bit more coverage on the NHL network. Oh, but it, unless you're unless you're the NHL, you don't really get any coverage on the. Uh, well, you get tournaments. Uh, we saw the World Juniors. We saw the World Juniors, and but I think that the NHL does a lot of things pretty pretty well and sometimes they just have their head up their backside you would think if they wanted to generate buzz for the draft it would be really really easy to look at the final draft rankings in three months before the end of the regular nhl season or the end of the um the end of the junior seasons whether it's uh the canadian leagues the ushl college hockey and maybe uh, the top two or three European leagues and say, Hey, these are our top 100 prospects for this year's NHL draft. If one of these players has a, has a highlight reel uh, event, whether it's a save, a hit, uh, a goal, um, we're going to show it. We're going to show at least three of them every night on NHL uh, tonight or whatever show or whichever live show it is between a certain date and the last of the junior hockey to build buzz for that, for the NHL draft, because the NHL draft is two days of TV and let's face it. We all know that the advertising during the NHL draft is awful. Why? Because the NHL is one of the worst organizations in the world at marketing itself. I mean, they would have a better – I mean, they're – I think it would be easier to advertise for um, intimately transferred diseases than it uh, – and get a higher turnout than the, the NHL draft. Well, I can tell you this much: uh, the NA, the women, the NWHL, uh, they actually do have games televised. Uh, in a manner of speaking, they're streamed. They're on Twitch. Uh, they're 
apparently they returned to play yesterday. They had a couple days off. Uh, and just looking at their website, it, it's well done. Uh, just taking a peek at their website to see where they're at. It, it mimics the regular NHL website uh, pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah. It, it's... It, they need the they need the support. They they have six teams in the league currently. Uh, as we talked about the first time when we first talked about them expanding with the new uh, Toronto team, it was. Yes. You know that they need to the expansion is good, but they need to do it slow and steady. You know you can't just suddenly throw four more teams into the league and expect it to just absorb and and stay. You know, one or two teams at a time. You know, they need to start coming, need to get more involved across the border. And I understand with things going the way they are right now, that's difficult. But yeah. um, get a couple more teams in Canada, start expanding, uh, you know, Midwest or West Coast, since there's a lot of markets out there that have NHL teams. I like it. They're on TV. I'll be watching. I highly suggest that. Everybody listening should watch as well. I'm in high quality, high quality hockey. Uh, what's <laughs> what's next on the board? Um, do we want to go in the obvious direction for those of us who are watching um, a certain New England product last night? cover a couple of quick stories or yeah no earlier in there i I was thinking earlier in the week we can get get these stories out of the way Uh, let's get them off the board let's uh let's clear the boards all right first up uh slight change in the front office in pittsburgh as 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 you know the general manager could be an important role i don't know puppet yeah well, in this case, that may be more accurate than you know. Uh, Jim Rutherford uh, out and out resigned. Uh, I listened to Bob McKenzie before one of the games on N- on NBCSN, and he said four things to keep in mind. One is that he's healthy. This isn't a health issue. Two is that he wasn't forced out by the team, uh, which is the one that I probably have the most issue with. He wasn't forced out by the team. This was his own decision. Three, he has resigned. He was not fired, nor did he retire. But his contract runs through the end of the season. And four was that he's not talking about it any further, and neither is the team, apparently. Uh, The article that I found is from 93.7 The Fan. And apparently the issue is that Jim Rutherford was working on a deal to move uh, a a fan. I don't know if I'd call him a fan favorite or an ownership favorite might be a better way to categorize it. But he was looking to move Chris Letang and the possible return was Vince Dunn from St. Louis. And he was told, uh, yeah, no, not happening. And apparently his response was, screw this arrangement. 
Um, based, based on the tweet from a Colin Dunlap who covers the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, nobody's going to say ultimately what it was that he that that the stra- the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, but, but yes, even Rutherford said uh, in an interview I saw that he knew this was coming uh, probably before the end of the season. Uh, and that once he decided it was time to go. And that generally means that this has been a long time coming. Well, the indication in this article is as along with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, Latang could also be one of owner Mario Lemieux's three untouchable players. Lemieux played his entire career in Pittsburgh and could want to raise all three players' numbers to the Raptors when they retire. Look, Some- it, okay, <laughs> that is such horse crap. <laughs> five years ago, they were still, even if all three guys had been traded five years ago, all three of their jerseys and numbers were still going in the Raptors. Well, they it's still haven't hung Yagers in, in the Raptors. They still haven't hung Yagers. Uh, and that is utterly ridiculous, except for the fact that he's still sort of playing. Well, he's playing in Europe, isn't he? <laughs> he's playing in Europe, but. I mean, the dude is in incredible shape. There is still a reasonable chance he could come back. Approaching 50? He's not only hockey old or athlete old, he's approaching old. I mean, he's, but he's still playing. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are are athletes in other sports who are playing and, and father time doesn't seem to know where they live. But. Jeremy Yager is 48 years old. He will turn 49 on the day after Valentine's Day. So uh, everyone get your uh, birthday cards ready for Jeremy Yager, and uh, you can address them to uh, Kladno in the Czech League, where in a in 38 games this season, he has put up a protest. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, it doesn't look like he's playing this year. It says he it says he is a right winger. It doesn't say anything about retirement. Uh, it also helps to own hockey. The DB team. doesn't have him active on a team this year, though. It helps if you own the team, though, because you can yes. always just throw a sweater on a la Major League Two when when Corbin Burnson throws on, you know, takes himself out of retirement as the GM to go back onto the field. Um, but yes, it helps to own the team, which he does. He owns he owns HC Kladno of the Czech Extra Liga. But this guy, <laughs> this guy is just a shade under fifty. And okay, he might not have played this year, but to hit forty eight and still be playing competitive professional hockey, whether it's in the states or in Europe or wherever. It's not. It's not a beer league. <laughs> no, um, and he's one of those guys who's gonna confound the league because you know what? He's actually going to officially retire at some point, and you know it's it's been quite a few years since he was seen in the NHL at peak. 
Um, there's going to be a generation of people voting on Hall of Fame players who really never saw him at his best. I mean, you look back in the 15-16 season, he played for the Florida Panthers, 27 goals, 39 assists, 66 points in 79 games. That's a really solid season. He was like 45 at the time, which makes it somewhat amazing just for what it is. But this is a guy who had 50 goals a couple of times in the NHL. I mean, <laughs> well, let's put it this way. He's, when he started his career, the owner, the current owner of that franchise played was, on the line with him. Yeah, was playing. They were playing together. Uh, according to this article, this was from back in November 24th of, of 2020. Uh, I can't say how long I want to keep playing. The game is getting more difficult. I think I kind of lost the drive when I wanted to prove that I'm still capable of getting better. I feel a lack of motivation to keep playing, though this year is definitely not the last in my career. Uh, It does say that uh, he earned promotion. They they do things a little bit differently in Europe. Uh, They have different levels, and they when they win their their particular champion, their particular league. They move up to the next one uh, on one reason why Yager says he wants to keep playing. Apparently his team is scheduled to take part in an outdoor game in December of this year, 2021. And the quote is this year we had to play in the winter classic game, but it was postponed from December of 2020. So I can't retire now. I promised that I'll play in that game. So, it, it I is, mean, yeah. At 49, he'll be he'll be two months removed from the big 5-0, and he plans on playing in that game. Will that be his last? It's a good way to go out, especially if they win. Oh, uh, <laughs> it, it would be a great cap to a career. But this is a guy. Yeah, his number should be, and we certainly digressed slightly. But yeah, his number should be in the rafters, is what it comes down to. And these other three, if you were going to do it, you could have done it. Five, you know, you could have done question, it based on their contributions five years ago. The issue is that Jim Rutherford is the general manager. If you look at other teams' general managers, they make moves. They're moving players in and out. Uh, well, and as long as they don't consistently screw up by the numbers, it's left in their hands. And it, it seems like the deal here is that G, uh, that, that uh, Jim Rutherford was not a famous line around here, not allowed to shop for the groceries. Yeah, um, I probably have said something slightly more pungent than whatever Mr. Rutherford said on his way out the door. Um, but. I in no way blame him for saying. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to guess that he probably told them exactly where their their team is heading. Um. I mean, I joked about applying for the position uh, a couple of days ago and said that they wouldn't. They probably wouldn't in, uh, wouldn't like my plan for the team, which would include an earth shattering kaboom, because that roster is not winning anything anytime soon. It's, it's just not. No. There are some really good players left on that team. 
We have some really young players left on that team. Uh, not many. Uh, I mean, you got Gensel, who's really good. You've got uh, Bluger is uh, appears to be a decent hockey player. Um, You've got Kapanen back there, or Kapanen, who was drafted Kapanen. by them. I just, it's. I understand wanting to hang on to guys that got you the cups that you have, but, and you've talked about it many times here on the show, they needed to move on from either one or both Crosby and Malkin half a dozen years ago. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, uh, we were talking about it before the show. It, it almost has to be Malkin. Malkin is in his own head. You can see flashes of his high-end abilities here and there. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that he believes or still wants to be an elite player in Pittsburgh because guess what? He's done everything he can do for that franchise. He's won Conn Smice. He's won multiple trophies. They've won Cups. I mean, did you ever think you would get to nine, the nine-game mark in the season, have Evgeny Milken play all of those games, and have him be ninth on the Pittsburgh Penguins in scoring? It's been no. it's been tough to watch, and he's come out and said a couple of times that he's not playing at the level that he wants to be playing at. I mean, he has one more point than Cody Cece and Mark Jankowski. I know they don't. I know they don't have zeros because Cody Cece, if I remember correctly, scored a goal. Yeah, he, uh, Cody Cece <laughs> and has three points. Jankowski has three points. Malkin only has four. Not uh, what you would expect from some some guy who was there dragging Sidney Crosby along with him. I mean, another guy who is not getting nearly enough credit uh, on that team. Um, and someone who uh, and a guy that someone should snatch up in a heartbeat if he ever gets mentioned in trade talks. I, I know you saw him in the last uh, in the last week or two, but John Marino. I've been talking about him. He, he's a local product, Massachusetts kid. Went uh, went to Harvard. Uh, good looking young defenseman. They just signed. They just inked him. He's getting. They inked him to an extension starting next year. He's going to be earning four mil per. I don't remember how many. It's either three or four years. Based on his play, uh, solid deal. Yeah. No, I had no problem with the numbers at all. Are you kidding? He's one of – if there were one or two players that I would want off of that roster, he starts the list. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he – he seemed to be everywhere at the right time doing the right thing in their games against the Bruins. And he's averaging 23 minutes a night. Um, second only to Chris Letang. Who, by the way, is now injured again. Uh, so that number will probably go up. Uh, he, they're going to, I think they're going to be lean very heavily on this young kid. Um, might get some time with Dumoulin or, but certainly going to be seeing more 
penalty kill as well as power play time. He just he's good. He's fun to watch. He was good at Harvard. I didn't think he was as good as he's as he's performing right now, but he has clearly proven me wrong. He's handled I mean, himself. And this well. is John Marino is a sixth round pick, and he's playing twenty three minutes a night in yep in a team that's expected to make the playoffs by most people. Um, I think it's more of a <clears throat> I think it's more of a coin flip. But that's me. Just he's only sixty. He's only sixty-five games into his NHL career, mm-hmm. so it's not. It's not like he's got this huge uh, history in the NHL. How many but he minutes? Looks good. How many minutes a night is the thirteenth overall pick? Uh, right around the same, <laughs> I think. Is he playing twenty-three minutes a night? Uh, I would have to double check uh, on the Hall of Famer. No, I actually wasn't talking about. He was a 14th overall pick. Actually, I was talking about Jakub Zaboral, uh, uh, that who one. has who is averaging oh, no, he's, about. He's got to be around 18. 17. No, he's out. He's actually, with the exception of the Pittsburgh game where he only played 13 and a half for some reason, he's. A shade. Uh, he's probably right around twenty minutes a night. Probably a shade under it. So four extra minutes a night from a guy who was drafted in the sixth round. Mm. Oops. You, wait, you're not implying that there might be something wrong with the draft strategy. Oops. Of of an organization that has gone off the board for like their first three uh, first. And second round picks consistently for five years. Is there? Um, You're not implying oops. that. Uh, oops. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be very, very wrong of you to make any sort of hasty rush to judgment after six years of documented proof. Oops. Um, it's kind of like watching the Celtics, and there's guys on the team that think they're three point shooters. But what they really are is basketball players who every now and again hit a three-pointer. But it would seem that once they hit one, suddenly they feel they have to take 20 of them in a game. Same situation. I'm sure you're talking about someone specific. (laughs) Same same situation. Not watching the sport, I don't care. Same situation. The Bruins went off the board once and hit with Pasternak. Now all of a sudden, all their picks have to somehow be off the board. And, okay, you hit once, you struck gold, Pasternak is an excellent forward. I didn't see it coming. You didn't see it coming. Uh, particularly but, not when he got to uh, development camp well, and didn't have himself skates. tripping over a shadow. Well, let's see. He forgot his skates. <laughs> forgot his skates. Not, not lost them, forgot them. <laughs> yeah, which, which as a hockey player is completely understandable. Because they're not an important part of no, uh, of not. your of the game. No, no, not at all. Absolutely not. But you showed up to development camp without your skates because you forgot them. <laughs> Was one of the skinniest twigs I've ever seen. I mean, he wasn't yeah, quite the, the, Hamilton the that, or oh god, who was the other tall blonde kid who was at camp? Uh, one of those first couple of years over at Restucia. Oh my goodness! There's so many. Uh, let's see. Dougie was blonde. Uh, 
a lot of brunettes. I don't know who else was blonde. Um, oh, goodness. A- a- anyways, I'll yeah, figure it out. Remember. But yeah. I, I don't remember. Because Sagan, brunette, then they had Kamara and Falstrom and, and... It was one of the really, really tall defensemen, too. Oh, Wiley Sherman's not blonde. Uh, oh. He might have been bleach blonde that year. Oh, Gara's but, not blonde. Um, but I could remember watching them, these guys, stand near the boards in the white practice jerseys, and they would inhale, and... Uh, exhale and their jerseys would get stuck sucked in between their ribs like <laughs> not into their ribs in between their ribs yeah okay then but yeah just because you hit on Pasternak does not give you free a uh, free license to start drafting guys like Mason Lowry who could have been available I don't know five rounds later um, I, I just I, I don't get it. I mean, I, mean, I understand next, that every team has their own scouting, you know, departments and whatnot. But when I mean, let's other, take a look at that marvelous 2018 draft for the uh, Boston Bruins. I mean, they had Axel Anderson, amazing hit, like out of the park. Jacob Lauko, he's not even a Bruin hit, anymore. Out of the park. He's Curtis so, Hall, really intense competitor. Both of those, those both of those last two guys are still in Providence, if I'm not mistaken. Curtis Hall, Dustin uh, McFall, and Pavel yeah. Shen. I Pavel mean, that, that draft class right there is a roster rebuild. So somewhere among all of those picks, we could have. We could have taken a flyer on John Marino. Uh, 2018, uh, let's see. I don't know when Marino was drafted. That's the only thing. Let's see. 2018, um, the Boston Bruins in the – actually, in the second round took Axel Anderson. Yeah, they didn't have a first rounder that year. Axel Anderson, by the way, is you know in the Anaheim organization now. Oh, that's right. There you go. Yep. Um, you know what? I take it back. That 2018 draft was terrible. Marino was taken in the 15 draft. Uh, 54th overall by the Edmonton Oilers. When the Edmonton Oilers are making better use of their late round picks than you are, <laughs> fire everyone. Fire everyone. Like fire the people who clean the desks. Of the people making these picks. Oh, and and the Penguins managed to acquire him from Edmonton for yet another sixth round pick. So clearly Edmonton wanted to draft him late, but didn't really think much of him that they got basically the same round back the next in in 2019. Uh, okay. <laughs> and their 2014 picks, uh, that 2014 uh, draft. Let's see. Ryan Donato, not in the organization. Danton Heinen, not in the organization. Anders Bjork uh, sort of holds on to a roster spot. 
Um, although if you listen to the pundits, he had his best game in a Bruins year Jersey, uh, oh, in, during this last week. And then there's Emil, uh, Johansson, uh, Johansson, who I was amazed to discover was actually listed as a defenseman, uh, when watching him at Providence or at development camp a couple of years. Um, he's in Europe. Mm-hmm. Never even sniffed the NHL. Uh-huh. Um, so great draft. Great draft. So that, that infamous 2015 draft. <clears throat> the Boston didn't have a fifth round pick. The reason why I compared Marino to Zaboro. We took Zaboro 13 overall that year. Edmonton took Marino 154. But they could have used the Jesse Gabriel pick. There you go. In the fourth round. (laughs) In the fourth round and grabbed him because Jesse Gabriel has, of course, played zero NHL games. If memory serves, he's not with the Bruins organization anymore. Pretty sure that's true. Um. Don't get me wrong. They did get Carlo in the second round. They did get Daniel Bladar, who uh, for one game served as the backup the other night uh, in the third round. And then in the fourth round, the but, aforementioned oh, Jesse Gabriel. It, they had the amazing uh, Bergeron 2.0. Not in 2015. Yes. Was Jack he also? Carlson. He was a oh he was a fifteen boy. Yes, they took him uh, a <clears throat> dozen picks after Brandon Carlo. I mean, imagine what would have what would have happened had they, you know, drafted someone useful. I don't know some guy at forty nine named Rupe Hints. I don't know. Anyway, back to, yes, John Marino, definitely. Um, so basically with Rutherford, sorry to see him go. Uh, he, again, not retired, resigned, so he can certainly hook up somewhere else. I don't expect he's going to be going back to the Pittsburgh Penguins anytime soon. Oh, wait a minute. You know that uh, pick that they spent on Jacob, Jacob Robacher Carlson? Yes. Do you know who was still available, who they're supposedly in on? Are they in on that? Are they in on that? Because I think I know who you're going with here. Uh, you do know who they're going with? Certain gu- certain guy at 56, maybe? A certain gentleman who was picked number 56. Yeah. Um, and who <clears throat> wouldn't have been available to that team um, <laughs> had they still managed to meet in the Stanley Cup Finals uh, a couple of years ago. Oops. Yep, they didn't do it again. Uh, One bit's done. Vince Dunn, 56th overall in the second round, after the Bruins took Jeremy Lozon, after the Bruins took Jakob Provaka Carlson. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go nuts over the Carlo pick. I'm perfectly fine with. I am 100 second round with pick. The Carlo is pick. Fabulous. Like he fits the organization better, but those that those first round picks. <laughs> Literally all of them could have been someone better. Literally all of them, even as much as I like Jake DeBrusque. If you 
if you can sit there and tell me you'd rather have Jake DeBrusque than Sebastian Ajo <laughs> or Matthew 35th, Barzal. 35th overall second round. Matthew Barzal. Um, um, Thomas Shabbat. <laughs> Brock Besser. <laughs> or uh, uh, some guy overall. named... Uh, there's... Uh, oh, God, who was the other one? Kyle but, yeah. Connor. Kyle Connor, 17th overall. I mean, right after their three picks, boom, off the board, Barzal. Boom, off the board, Kyle Connor. Boom, off the board, Thomas Shabbat. Uh, if you had made those three picks instead of Zaboral DeBrush Senishin. And we're talking center, left wing, and defenseman in those three. You have a completely different roster. And again, I really like Jake DeBrusque. I think personality-wise, he's great. I think his contribution has been really solid. Mm. But come on. Okay, and so swap out DeBrusque for uh, Kyle Connor, left wing for left wing. So, uh, swap out Zaboral for uh, Shabbat. Shabbat. And then what you left with is Senishin for Barzal. Or take... <clears throat> All three of those picks, all three, or take two of those picks, 13 and 13 and 15, mm-hmm. and trade it for number four, Mitch Marner, <laughs> and go home very happy. Your fans would be very happy. You'd be very happy. Um, and quite frankly, even Toronto would be very happy. Uh, you weren't getting into the top two, that's for sure. No, you weren't. And <sighs> as much as I think that there is serious potential in the Stroms, um, no. Actually, right now, if I had to say which Strom is best, it would be the one that was taken at three. That That's not high praise, but I think between <sighs> Dylan, Ryan, and... Wherever the third brother is now. Yes. Dylan's probably the best of the three. Ryan would be middle. He's the one in in New York. And like I said, I don't remember who the, I don't remember where the third brother is or if he's even playing. I don't, but yeah, Dylan as a third overall pick is, is he, he's not a great third overall pick, but if you took him at the end of the first round, Everyone would be happy with him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. This was an interesting draft, and I know we talk about it every time we bring it up. And clearly, it wasn't for the for our local product, but for the rest of the for the rest of the first round, <laughs> it was it, it was a pretty great. It was a pretty solid first round. I mean, there's there's league impact players on that roster. Uh, and we were, we were talking briefly about Vince Dunn being potentially available and potentially of interest to the Boston Bruins. Um, if they are genuinely interested in him, that's really good. I like his play. I think he's an upgrade over about half of what we're looking at. And I I think that the infusion of a guy who has recently won a cup 
on a team that you got to play against who can say, look, while you guys were in your locker room doing whatever, we were do we were going over this and this and this. That ring upgrade uh, in the ro- uh, recent ring upgrade is never going to be a bad thing. And you add in the fact that he's got more experience than three of the guys, four of the guys on the roster put together. And it's important. It changes the complexion of the team. Okay. Uh, and uh, in news of the inevitable, <laughs> uh, the great eight is now, uh, at least for a little while, the great seven. Really? Alex Ovechkin has tied Mark, Mike Gardner for seventh all-time scoring uh, uh, goals in the NHL. 708 NHL goals. And again, if you hop in your uh, Wayback Machine and go back to about 2008-2009, mm-hmm. there are people questioning whether Alex Ovechkin was ever even going to hit 500 NHL goals simply because of his punishing physical style of play. Mm-hmm. And here we are in 2021, and we again have to seriously ask the question, is Gretzky safe? Uh, is Gretzky safe? Where is Gretzky at? 800 and... I don't know that it matters. But it does matter. That's the number 894. You're at seven. He's at 708. Gordy Howe at 801 is clearly within shot, depending on how much longer Ovi wants to play. You're talking 93 goals to get to, to, to Gordy Howe. But you're talking 181 goals to get to, that's, if I mean, my math is Generously right. speaking, that's almost five more okay. seasons. Five more real full se- seasons. Obi's where? 708. Okay. Well, no. Let's see. 100 and... Six is seven, 14, 84. 184 goals to get to Gretzky. No. Uh, 186 goals. Seasons? 186 goals to get to Gretzky. He would have if if you're taking into account that he can score 50 goals in a season. Yes, he would still need four seasons to get the the better part of four seasons to get to Gretzky. If he's gonna pot 50 and 58 a year, I don't know that he's gonna pot 50 this year and this being what it is. So I don't, okay. (laughs) Assuming, assuming 38 goals a season, 4.82 seasons from today is Mm -hmm. where he would hit. That's noticeably lower than his best pace. Um, but you know, in those last three years, he'd be 40. 
Yes. I want to. I, so I want to see Hull, somebody challenge Gretzky. I just don't know that he's going to get there. It's like <clears throat> the finish line may be just a step too far. I mean, I I, I think we can all agree that uh, Brett Hull is probably gone this season. I think there's 30 more goals or 35 or so more goals in Gretzky this in Ovechkin this year. Well, assuming he doesn't get suspended again for anything. <laughs> but I, I realistically think that there's a four, this is a 40-goal year for Ovechkin. Really? Uh, just the yeah. pace and the quality of goaltenders he's going to have to face. Um, yeah, I think, that he, I think that he can probably get close to 40 this year. Okay. Uh, I mean, Marcel Dion is... Uh, Marcel Dion, I'll, I'll actually put money on him crossing that number. Uh, so seven thirty-one. So he's at seven oh eight. If he can yep. get to seven, if he can get to seven forty by the end of the season, yep. That's an, so, that's only another thirty-two goals. That's not even your forty. That's just enough. Get him yep. to seven forty or seven forty-five. You're you're still talking about a hundred and fifty or so goals to get to Gretzky. Which is three seasons at Ovechkin's best pace and four seasons at like 40 goals a season. I don't so, yeah, know that I, I don't know that you can actually put it out of reach, particularly not if people if it gets in his head. Like we we know Ovechkin but it got, enjoys. But, but 700 got in his head. It took him two. it took him almost two weeks to score number 700. Well, I, what I mean is, if it becomes part of his daily motivation, not necessarily, um, he gets snake bit. I think he was gripping the stick a little bit tighter. I think he was uh, taking shots a, a second too soon or a second too late. It was clearly on his mind. That and that's fair, uh, but. I can't put the number out of range. You watched him with the overtime winner last night. He wasn't even moving that fast for him. And he still walked up the ice like it was a practice shot. Uh huh. And I'm watching the game and I don't know that I actually saw the release. Oh, the skills are still prevalent. I'm not taking any of his skill. I'm not saying that any of his skills are maybe speed if he ever had it. I mean, he's big guy. I don't think he was ever the fastest guy. I'm not going to put him up against. Uh, oh, he was Dylan never Larkin like or, or, top 10 percent of the league in speed. I yeah. mean, there aren't many guys who are 235 and larger, and he was certainly over 250 at least two seasons um, who are going to ever hit that level. But he's he's still in the top 25 percent in the league in speed at his size and at his age. That means it's going to take a while for him to get down to league average. And he's still going to have that strength. He's going to have that physical ability to knock people around for another five or six years. So. 
How yeah. many games has Ovechkin played? Uh, 1157. So he's done. He's he's passed 11. He's passed Gartner. Gartner took 1432. Yep. Uh, 19 seasons. Uh, Esposito is next with 717. That one's going to fall, obviously. And yep. that was in 1282. Yeah. Uh, I mean. I mean, only Gretzky ahead of him really has a better pace. I was going to say the pace is there. I just I want I want him to challenge Gretzky. I don't want to see. I, I, I like that we're having this discussion. I want to see him challenge it. I don't know if it's a step too far. I just. But I I, I absolutely I, can't put it out of reach. Will I say it will definitely happen? No, we're talking almost five years of enormous injury potential, political upheaval. Health, whatever sort of health issues, yeah. um, league disputes, um, anything, literally any, any, there are any number of reasons that he could not miss it. He could not make it, right. including his wife looking at him and saying, either stop playing or I leave, which probably isn't actually advisable, but <laughs> No, I, I don't see her saying that, and if she did, I wonder what Ovechkin's choice would be. I mean, I know he loves his wife. Uh, you can see it in the videos that they had when they got married. But I think he loves playing hockey, too. And As I said, I don't consider it advisable. Yeah, no, I don't either. <laughs> I, I, I want to see him challenge for it. I want to see him make a go at make a go of it. Absolutely. And I want to see him uh, – the I'm thing not, is I want to see him – if he breaks it, I want to see him do it while he's still Ovi and not uh, some fourth-line bum who's been hanging around getting seven goals a season for eight years at 52. Do you want – do you do you care what uniform he does it in? I no. guess would be the next question. No. I mean look at everyone ahead of him on that list. All three, all of them wore at least three jerseys. Yager wore nine. Yager's still wearing jerseys. <laughs> I mean, NHL in jerseys. Europe, yes. In the NHL, in the NHL, he moved around a bit. Yeah. No, Yagerman is the is the next closest person on the list, all in one jersey. I, I and then some guy la- it, named Lemieux. I don't know that it's. I don't know that it's a requirement for making it special, but I think doing it all in one jersey makes it a little bit more special. Ovechkin really likes Washington. It's where he's been his entire adult life. I don't see I him going see him anywhere. If yeah. he, because the, the, the owner likes him. And while I'm generally not the, in favor oh. of owners – standing on the chest of general managers. Mm -hmm. As long as Ovi can contribute at a reasonable level, he should stay there if he wants to. Agreed. And he's still fun to watch. (laughs) Yeah. He's a lot of fun to watch play hockey. He loves playing. He loves watching his, his, um, his, his teammates score. Yeah, and every now and again, 
you get the you get the Ovi versus Svechnikov situation. <laughs> Some young buck decides that they're going to take on the top of the heap, the head of the herd. You know, just challenge to see where he, he and and Ovi just has to kind of knock Squish him back, him. knock him back down. I mean, I love Andrei Svechnikov. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I think that he makes Aho a better player. Yes. <laughs> and he's physical. He hits. He doesn't. Did he bite off a little bit more than he could chew when he went after Obi? Yeah. <laughs> Which he learned the hard way. <laughs> and that said, Ovechkin isn't even a really great fighter. Certainly well, not for someone his size. No. I it, mean, if him and Wilson drop the gloves, it's only going to be a question of whether Wilson knocks him out or breaks his jaw, not who's going to win the fight. Uh, and I know that Tom Wilson is one of your favorite players ever. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge Tom Wilson fan. It, the scary part about Tom Wilson is that the skill level he has does not men, does not match the level of <clears> – <throat> idiocy that he produces on the ice he is kind of a meathead yeah if he played up to if he played at a consistent level with the 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 skill set that he has he could be top pairing or second line i mean top pairing top line or second line but he plays the meathead style so he's on a grinder line But he's his skills. If you watch him and you see past the meathead, the skill set is there. He's got it. He, I mean, I like what I see from him. But then the meathead comes out, and it's like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> so the other night, uh, early in the week, I asked a question. Uh, on Twitter, how many, how much more of playing at this level are you before you were willing to extend Kevin Miller? Options were don't extend him ever. One more month. Trade deadline of April 12th or end of the se- <clears throat> end of the season. Did you look at the poll? I did not see the poll until just this very minute. I wanted to be surprised by the responses. Okay, totally fair. Had, you um, asked, had had I had I asked been asked the question, I actually would have been in the camp that got zero percent. And the one more month. Uh, see, my as much as I've always liked Kevin Miller, I was given the two knee injuries, and admittedly, broken patellas are ridiculously rare injuries, but he had some other odd injuries as well. I was leaning personally more towards the trade deadline or the end of the season. I would have been happy to have them announce at the trade deadline, Kevin Miller, two year extension, two and a half million a year. And let's go. Um, That said, don't extend him ever. I got 12.5% of the vote. Uh, one more month got zero trade deadline, 12 and a half percent. And end of the season was 75 percent. 
which is the most caution Boston Bruins fans have ever shown ever. Um, in, I know, in, and, and for me to be for me to be the one that's saying another month. Wow, you know, I've actually been I've just been very. Uh, I want to shy away from using the word impressed, but I've really liked what I've seen on him. I was not expecting this level. I mean, the guy hasn't played in two years. I was yes. expecting a guy who was going to come out, hang out at the blue line, not very mobile. Uh, yeah, he'll play defense in his own end, but he's not going to be pushing the puck. He's not going to be. But I've seen him down low in offense in the offensive zone more than on more than one occasion and fighting for pucks. I mean, and, and even though he goes down low, he's not getting caught there. He's communicating with forwards and getting back up high before things break down. And who's his typical partner? Is it Zaboral? He's had a couple of different partners because of all the injuries or because of the injuries and changes. But he's played a decent amount with Zaboral. I want to say I saw him out there with Grizzlick once or twice. Um See that that pairing makes sense to me from a standpoint of offensive and defensive defensemen. You know, Grizzly can can lead the rush or or push the puck, and and Kevin Miller, being the defensive defenseman, is going to hang back at the blue line. And the more I've seen him, the more reliable he has appeared to be over the last couple of weeks. Uh, is he worth an extension? Yeah, I guess the end of the season makes more sense than another month, but. I would like to see at least another month before I even start considering extension. I want to make sure that he can physically stand up to it. Yeah, he's played eight games. And if you were going to ask me at the beginning of the season who would be out first with an injury, Grizzlick or or Miller, I probably would have said Miller. <laughs> I mean, if you had done a poll of the entire Bruins roster – uh, who not currently on the on the injured reserve is going to go out first? I think everybody would have taken Kevin Miller. I mean, it's just it's not even that people dislike him. It's just that he's history has shown. I mean, history has said Kevin Miller has some has health issues or durability issues. Part of it is the fact that, yeah, he plays like a bulldozer on a regular basis, which does the team a great deal of good, but is still going to leave you dinged on a regular basis. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering what happens the first time Kevin Miller does get dinged. Does the panic set in? Does, you know, does the, does the franchise suddenly, does the organization suddenly, oh, what have we done? You know, Dude, I, I don't want to think like that. Right now, I want to keep watching Kevin Miller play because he's actually been a nice. He's been a nice surprise. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, I just want to correct something real quick, by the way. Uh, Mason Lowry, who I said was, you know, a reach in 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 the second round. Um, he apparently has 10 goals, 16 assists for a total of 26 points in 19 games played in the U.S. Uh, national development team 
uh, league, whatever it is yes. they play. Um, so apparently I am completely incorrect. No. That he is well worth being drafted in the second round. So just wanted to throw that out there. Mm, no. <laughs> I appreciate the support. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll worry about being uh, incorrect about him when he's taking first or second line minutes uh, in the NHL. Okay. Fair enough. And producing at that level. Just wanted to give all of the information, not just my opinion. Although uh, we know it's my opinion that matters, but that's okay. Uh, now, speaking of all of the information, mm-hmm. it's time to do something that we haven't done uh, yet this season and talk about elite goaltenders. Oh, I like talking about elite goaltenders. This is the one I was told I couldn't look at until we talked about it. So, so uh, we are – most teams are eight or nine games into the NHL season. Yeah, this is true. Uh, most most goaltenders have actually been splitting the duties. Uh, in, Col- in Columbus, they are – Tortorella is literally splitting them every other game. Uh and, and until such time as he's changed his mind, he, you can tell who's going to play the next game because he's literally going one, the other, one, the other, one, the other, one. The, he, so, yeah, splitting duties. Um. Um, so, Tuka Rask, uh, the future Hall of Famer. Um, You're going to tell me when I can has, click on one of these links, right? G- nope, you can't click yet. Okay. Gentleman has won a... Uh, has won the Vezina Trophy. He's won the Jennings Trophy. Uh, where where do you think he ranks in the league right now today among goaltenders with three or more games played? Now, remember, uh, he's paid like $7 million a year. Yeah, but I'm watching some kid in Chicago who – where they no, no, thought no, they no. didn't. We're not talking about Chicago. We're okay. only talking about the elite. Okay. Oh, the, oh, okay. Uh, where does he three games in? Um, I don't know. He's been letting up some goals. Uh, 15th, 16th. Now 15th or 16th, uh, 15th, uh, the goaltender with the 15th ranked, uh, save percentage. Is Anton Hudobin, last year's playoff darling? Mm-hmm. Uh, number sixteenth would be Cal Peterson. Um, uh, I love Cal Peterson, by the way. L.A. King at nine nineteen, and still waiting for Quick to step aside so he can take over the duties. Uh, at this point, it's going to be Quick limping aside because um, it's not happening anytime soon. Unfortunately for Cal Peterson, <laughs> which uh, is why Jack wanted to get out of there and go to Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. Not that he's not backing up yet another workhorse. <laughs> um, and of course, so uh, do you care to revise your uh, your estimates there? Down or twenty uh, third? Um, nope, not none at twenty third. Twenty-third would be the sensational Connor Hellebuck, who's having a slightly unsensational season. Um, 
and has a 9-10 save percentage with six games played. Uh, of which he's actually won four. Okay, 33rd. 33rd. 33rd would be Miko Koskinen uh, with an 895 percentage. Uh, oh, he's, he's played he's better than 10 that. NHL games and won four of them. Um, Are we just going to keep guessing numbers, or at some point you're going to actually tell me, right? Or I can look uh, at the list. Miko Koskinen is, has a better save percentage than the elite Tuka Rask. Really? Uh, the elite Tuka Rask uh, is at present, having played five NHL games this year, the holder of an 890 save percentage, uh, something we have not seen on an elite NHL goaltender since roughly 1987. Mm. By the way, the backup goaltender has like a 938 save percentage. Yes, the the backup, the guy that we keep being consistently told is not good enough, um, is number four in the NHL. He's uh-huh. played three games, won two of them. He has a 938 save percentage. And 938 if save percentage, yeah. yeah. If memory serves correct, the goals against is like 1.3. Yes, 1.3 goals against average for Yaroslav Halak um, on the same team as Mr. Tuka Rask's 2.49. Isn't that almost twice as high? Can't some can't at some at some point someday. Can I just say told you so, please? How long have I been? How long have I been harping at this? How long have I been harping? When do I get to say "told you so"? <laughs> um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say now is a good time. I elite gold. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Uh, told you Let so. It all out. <laughs> I just is is Vasilevsky an elite goaltender? Uh, Vasilevsky is indeed an elite goaltender. Okay, and he's you know it, I just I'm trying to get a sense of who or what is because if we're going to consider a guy who's down in where did you say he was thirty something thirty seventh among goaltenders who have at least three starts thirty seventh and and we're considering him elite I I'm just we're told I don't he's elite. And there, no, there are only We're told he's only Dago. No, there are only 47 goaltenders who have at least three starts this year. 47. And he's number 37. <laughs> okay. But don't worry, Casey DeSmith is still below him. Jonathan oh, okay. Bernier well, that, is still that, below that's him. Good. That, that, that's good. That's good. Yeah. But hey, Scott Wedgwood <laughs> above him. Wasn't Scott Wedgwood like made fun of or something like a two seasons ago? Because uh, I think I, I, somebody signed him just because they were running out of goalies or something. I think it was Arizona or uh, somebody signed him because they were running out of goalies. And everyone went, Scott Wedgwood. <laughs> Thatcher Demko consistently above, well above him. Linus Olmark <clears throat> well above him. Mm-hmm. Jordan Binnington, kind of above him. Jacob Markstrom, who was a punchline for a good five years, 
has a 929 save percentage this year Mm -hmm. and two shutouts to go with it. Brian Elliott. Oh boy. 938 save percentage uh, for those Philadelphia Flyers who are paragons of defensive hockey. Brian Elliott. And uh, some guy uh, named Mackenzie Blackwood playing Uh, for the juggernauts of all professional hockey. I've only been touting the benefits and, 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 happiness of Mackenzie Blackwood since he since he was drafted by the New Jersey Devils. But and I don't of know. Of course, currently leading the league, four games played, two games won, <laughs> two shutouts in the process. Uh-huh. Peter Morazic. Somebody told me Peter. once that he was uh, and I'm not I'm not sold. Those numbers are certainly not going to stay where they are. It's very early in the season. Thank you. But when he was with Detroit, somebody made fun of me because uh, he was terrible, and he was terrible. Uh, in fact, I don't think he's – I don't consider but, him, quote-unquote, elite. It, there's my question. Of That's why guys, I asked, is Vasilevsky – the guys right now ahead of Tuka Rask, how many of them would you take to play the conference and – Stanley Cup Finals ahead of Tuka Rask. In all honesty? Okay. Um, For me, the number is probably around six or seven, easily. Yeah. I would take Marc-Andre Fleury. I would take Yaroslav Halak. Thank Um, you. I would take Andre Vasilevsky because I'm not stupid. Um, I would take Anton Hudobin. I would give... Very would you serious take, thought. Would you take Gibson? I don't know yet. I haven't seen him in the playoffs. I really haven't. I mean, it, the, I think he's getting beaten and abused in Anaheim. I think if you put him behind a real defense. Actually, the number may be even be higher than that. Uh, Braden Holtby. <laughs> Braden Holtby. Look, I know I've been talking about this for a a very long time because I said this even before Tim Thomas was no longer the goaltender. Uh-huh. I've probably said it at least once a year since then. Hellebuck. The Boston Bruins will never win a cup with Tuka Rask in net. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard that somewhere. And he's been to the dance, what, three times at this point? And um, at least two of the times, yeah, him. No. Would you take Hellebuck? Career career goals against in the playoffs, 2.53, uh, 917 save percentage, 27 playoff games. I might. I mean, he's he has a losing record. Don't get me wrong. It's, he, yes. He's 12 and 15, but, you know. 917 save percentage is not terrible. It's not, it's not Tim Thomas, <laughs> but then again, no. not many are. Not many. <laughs> and some would argue with you overtaking Halak because of his performance this past summer in the, as you like to call them, pretendoffs. I think that that is. I think it's unfair to judge him on that only because. When you're in the mindset that you are the backup, 
you get told ahead of time when you're going in, you're going to give the starter a rest, whatever. And I'm sure it's different on the Bruins because they seem to play a little bit more frequently with Halak than a typical one-two situation. But he still is told ahead of time. And now all of a sudden, in one fell swoop, you find out, A, your number one is gone, your quote-unquote number one is gone, and B, now you've got to get your head right and you're going to be the number one and that's it. You know, it, and, and, oh, C. by the way, your backup has never played an NHL game, so ding, pretty ding, much, ding. yeah. I, I don't think it's fair to judge Halak's playoff performance based on this past summer. No, it's it, it would be <clears throat> it would be wrong. <clears throat> but Okay, and now for the course of a regular season, with a traditional number one and number two, not a 1A, 1B, but number one, number two, Mm -hmm. for the next two full regular seasons, is the number of goaltenders that you would prefer over Tuka Rask higher or lower than 12? Guys who are currently ahead of Tuka Rask out of the 36 guys – is the number higher or lower than 12 uh, for guys that you would prefer to have in net for 55 to 60 games? Higher. Yes, because off the top of my head, guys who I know can handle that work workload, Uh Harry Price, Thomas Grice, Frederick Anderson. um, We've seen Bobrovsky do that. And, We've seen Dubnik do that. We've seen Holtby do that. We've seen Hellebuck and Camper and uh, Binnington do that. We've seen Dobby do most of that. That's a question. Uh, Vasilevsky has basically not left the crease unless he was injured since um, Bishop departed town. Um, Jake Allen, I wouldn't necessarily take him, but he's he's proved better than a lot of people thought. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was the official whipping boy in Pittsburgh for years. <laughs> he kind of, kind of, kind of took a sword in the back for, for the Golden Knights as well. Um, and those are the guys who I can unequivocally name real quick, scrolling through the list. No thought involved, just what I remember about the players. So, yeah, my number is probably right around 12. Uh, we'll call it a push. Yeah, but, it sounds about but, right. But, but Tuka Rask yeah. is elite. Well, that uh, you have to ask the question, what do you consider? Elite? I mean, why do we consider him elite? Well, see, here's the thing. Tuka Rask in, among active players is very high on the active wins list. So he has to be elite. I mean, he, he he has to be. If you have all of those wins, you have. I mean, the only guys ahead of him there. Uh, let's see. Active players. There are nine goaltenders ahead of him in total games played. Now, you realize you're going to get some pushback from people who say that you're not going to win a cup with. Because Tuka Rask, I mean, career playoffs. Tuka Rask is only six games away from winning his 300 NHL game. Yeah, but he's like a hundred and he's like a couple of hundred away from passing, uh, you know, 
Luongo and I mean, aren't they oh, like four something? I mean, Luongo's at four eighty nine and effectively retired. Lundqvist mm-hmm. is at four fifty nine, and his career is on hold. Yeah, Mark Andre Fleury is still active. Um, we don't know how many more games he's going to play each season, but still active. He's at four sixty nine and number two overall. Tuukka Rask, two hundred ninety four wins in five hundred and forty one games. So yes, it's likely we will see him cross the three hundred mark this year. Yeah, and that's a, and that, and that's a that's a key milestone. I'm not going to take that away from him. Yes, I mean, that's and, sad. And, that's yeah. sad. He's only a couple of wins ahead of Craig Anderson, who most people do not consider elite, but who has played on some truly terrible teams. He's in the his best. Yeah, as we've said on more than one occasion on this team, best bad team goaltender. Is that quite how the phrasing works? Yeah, and Craig Anderson is still in the top ten among active goaltenders in wins. <laughs> so, but is he you elite? Make the case that if Tuukka Rask is elite, then so is Craig Anderson. Okay. I'm not sure I would use the definition of elite that some people seem to think applies to Tugarask. Somewhere along the line, they need to establish what the definition of elite is. Because, yeah, the word elite gets thrown around a lot. I mean, there are guys on the list who have a better goals against average, which means that basically their team was playing really, really well for a while. Um, one of the things that Craig, uh, that Tuka doesn't really do is generate points. Um, he's only got 24 points compared to Pecorine's 56 points. Uh, Pecorine has a a goal. Pecorine has a goal, which like literally (laughs) the only other guy in the top 15, uh, of active among active players with a goal is Mike Smith. Um, I, I like Mike Smith. I do not consider him elite. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I just don't. Um, I, 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 Mike Smith has been on some not-so-good teams. Relegation-worthy uh, teams. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and Mike Smith just keeps taking it and taking it and taking it. <laughs> and he's still around, and he's been fun to watch. He's had some... I think he held really Calgary in it a couple of years ago before he left Cal. He held Calgary in that series in the playoffs. I forget who they played, but he was he was the guy that was keeping them alive because the team itself was not uh, performing. So I, I, but yeah, he I don't consider him elite either. So the first thing is you have to define what elite is. And then apply it to said to Garask and ultimately reach the decision that he's probably not. Is ha, have we worn ourselves out on this topic yet or should we keep going? No, we've pro- we've probably worn ourselves out, but I need people to start listening to me. Sure. Um <laughs> so way if you load up your wayback machine uh one more time. And, okay. 
And you uh, set it for, oh gosh, 10 years ago? Mm hmm. And you're watching the October 14th, 2009 uh, mini one on ones. You're going to see some kid playing for Maine, uh, a Maine team, score a ridiculous, ridiculous one on one goal. Picks the puck up with his stick. Spins it around behind his back, shoots it over the shoulder of the dumbfounded opponent. Uh, it goes in, and that was the world's introduction to Oliver Wallstrom. Nine-year-old Oliver Wallstrom revolutionized shootouts and one-on-one goals before he was allowed to cross the street by himself. And it took until just this week for Oliver Wallstrom to get a pretty, but not quite highlight reel, not quite uh, game changing first NHL goal. Okay. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen it, go take a look at Oliver Wallstrom's first NHL goal. Um, I will retweet uh, <clears throat> with the. When the show comes along, um, a link to uh, Oliver Wallstrom's first shootout goal, because we've seen guys do similar things at the All-Star Games and here and there do do some similar stuff uh, actually in gameplay. But remember when you see this link nine years old before anyone was seeing this at the NHL level. It's literally terrifying when you honest when you when you watch it, how much coordination he has, how much <clears throat> mm-hmm. how much raw courage he has. Because again, this is a kid playing on a main team, skating down the ice in the Boston Garden, stands full to either look like a complete moron. Or score a spectacular goal that people are going to be talking about for over a decade. He scored a spectacular goal that people have been talking about for over a decade. For over a decade. There you go. Um, but that that takes a whole lot of courage. Um, and I just love the fact that because we're local New England hockey fans, um, it's just... Uh, it was just part of our day. I mean, they talked about it every, every show, every hockey show on Nesson for over a week when it happened. And then he had a couple of other really spectacular goals over the next two or three years before he even made it to major junior. Mm -hmm. And we still heard his name on a regular basis because, Oh, it's Oliver Wallstrom again. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not going to take anything away from Oliver. I mean, fun to watch. It, it, it'll be interesting to watch his career as it blossoms. <sighs> kind of wishing he was, you know, on the home team, but. Uh, yes, but the Islanders, uh, the Islanders have a habit of taking players that Boston probably should have when they went off the board and grabbed someone else. <laughs> 
Oh, yes. So this um, episode has been all about going off the board. Yeah, that's what it is. Speaking of off the board, uh, I was talking to someone on Twitter the other day, last mm. night, night before. Okay. Um, and this is honestly where we'll wrap up, but am I the only one thinking that we have effectively reached Sindon Error 2.0? What, it's okay to make the playoffs and that's it? That's it, yeah, exactly. But they made the finals two seasons ago. They made the playoffs this they they were in the, the summertime some some summertime, you know, playoffs. Um But they're making the they're making it consistently. But look at the players. Look at the additions. Look at the quality of the system. Wait, there's been additions? It, they added Craig Smith. Oh, right, right, right. Craig Smith has, what, one goal? I think it's that's about ex- the number, yeah. It's a very expensive goal. I mean, we pay him, what, three, four million bucks a year? Something like that. Is it more than that? I don't remember what his contract is. Seriously, I'd have to look it up because I, I I have not seen what – I, I I have not yet seen – and Craig Smith was a, a good player to watch – with Nashville, but he wasn't great. He's not, he, he's not coming in and resetting the, he's not coming in and resetting the, uh, the, well, the Jersey sales rankings. I mean, Craig Smith probably sold a decent number of jerseys, but he did want to wear number 22 and they kind of took that away from him. Um, because they're going to retire it for Willie. Willie. Uh, as it should have been retired 30 or 50 years ago, but yes, details, I, details. Yeah, details, yeah. I, I'm, he is uh, $3.1 million per. Yep. Uh, the man is – wait, he's a young guy, right? Oh, wait, no, he's 31. Um, and he has – I lied. He has two goals and two assists. Shame, shame, shame. I apologize to for calling out just one goal. He has two. He has four points in seven games. He is a plus two. He has four penalty minutes. I just, if this is what you threw your eggs, and, and I do agree with you, send in 2.0. I think if we aren't actually there, we're certainly approaching it. Because if this is what you threw all your eggs into one basket, you know, there were guys, and not that I wanted Hoffman, but Hoffman was out there, ended up signing with St. Louis. Uh, you didn't go after Petrangelo. You lost Krug. You didn't do anything. And from my standpoint, it just looked like Sweeney sat there with his thumb securely fastened in an orifice. Stark. And yeah. Yeah. I, I just – what are you doing? You, you, and then you draft guys like Mason Lowry, and you're gonna give me and, and you're gonna give me on Twitter all of his lovely stats and videos of him scoring goals, and that's great. But a, he's not here. B, he's not an NHL player. He's playing on the development team. And so all you're telling me right now is that he's one of the better players on the development team. Ooh. Okay. Did I and on that, ladies and ge- on that <laughs> note, ladies and gentlemen, <coughs> this is where we leave you. 
Uh, thank you very much for listening. As always, share the show. Um, and you can find me at the, at PuckSage. I should hope we can find you at PuckSage because that's usually where I look. You can find me at the Offwing. Have a great week, everybody. Uh, we'll be back. Don't forget to tune in to the Isabella Cup uh, finals on NBC uh, this week. Um, I will be watching. I will be tweeting. Take care.